Today is uh, our main text is in Second John, chapter one, verses one through thirteen. It's 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 a short little letter and uh, and chapter. And uh, John wrote this letter to warn Christians to stand firm and not allow false teachers to shake their faith. And so, as we read this, we need to make a commitment to uh, hold on to the essentials of the Christian uh, faith, no matter how many other voices beckon us to follow their way of life. As we continue learning how to have or be more effective witnesses in the world, we need to be careful of how we choose our friendships and our our, uh, partnerships so that they help us to fulfill the mission that Jesus and his apostles gave us at the beginning. So, let's read that first text. 2 John 1, 1 through 13. The elder, to the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in the truth. And not I only, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And near, and now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. Many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take him into your house or welcome him. Anyone who welcomes him shares in his wicked work. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face, so that our joy may be complete. The children of your chosen sister send their greetings. So John says to avoid anyone who runs ahead and is, does not continue in the teaching of Christ. The Gnostics had left the fellowship John was writing to, and John didn't want the believers to associate with them. And be drawn away from Christ to something new that was supposedly better. In our world today, we hear many different false teachers. Uh, some who just preach the uh, 
health and wealth of what the gospel says and, and that God wants you only to prosper. He only wants you to be well. He doesn't want anything bad to happen to you. And if, if uh, you will just give us this money, then we will pray for you and you'll be in this situation. But our gospel, our word does not teach that. We have trials. Jesus said, in this life, you will have trials and tribulations. But to take heart that he has overtaken or overcome the world. The Apostle Paul talks in several places about other believers who could draw us away if we associate with them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, a brother is sexually immoral. He has his father's wife. And the church was glorying in their acceptance of him. So Paul said that such a man should be expelled from their midst. Otherwise, the bad yeast could corrupt the whole batch of dough or the whole church. Let's read what it says. I have written you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not, not all, meaning the people of this world who are immoral, or the greedy and swindlers of idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. But now I am writing you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or a slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler. With such a man, do not even eat. In verses 9 through 11, he says, We're not to associate with sexually immoral people in the church, although we have to still associate with people out in the world like this. It reiterates the verse that we, or the teaching that we should be in the world, but not of the world. We have to be careful what friends we pick up and talk to and associate with. Though Jesus associated with the tax collectors, the harlots, the drunkards, and the, the outcasts in the world, he was not of them. He was in them to seek and save the lost. Another place is in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. He says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? It's kind of like us being all Christ when we give ourselves to him completely. We can be like a, uh, a vessel of golden clear olive oil. And then we get next to people who are dark or wicked. People come into our lives and they try to pour into this oil who we are, this dark, inky blackness. They really don't mix together, like oil and water don't mix together. But when they're shaken up enough and they associate together, then they can become one for a while. And that could be our downfall. So Paul asks, what fellowship can light have with darkness? Another place is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. 
says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. So I know uh, I can only speak for myself in this, that when I was in college, I'd run around with the, the people that were uh, in, uh, in the, the acting group because I was into plays and, and singing and stuff. And I'm like, come on, we're going to have a party afterwards. We're going to have a party afterwards. And yeah, I fall into it. I would go along and next thing you know, I, I wouldn't be myself because I've had too much drinking going on. And though I'd still try to be a good upright person because they knew I was a Christian, I, I wasn't walking it right. I was having that reprobate time. And so I was in bad company. And it corrupted me. But thank God for many second chances because he brought me back. But that's how easy it is that when we run with the wrong crowd, we get associated with them. They look at us like, I guess a stereotype would be like the biker crowd. You always think they're always mean and tough and, and they're, you know, and some of them are. But uh, that's kind of a stereotype that bad company corrupts good character. There are also some... Uh, Multiple Proverbs about choosing our friends carefully. One is Proverbs 12, verse 26. A righteous man is cautious in friendship, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Another is Proverbs 18, 24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Another one is Proverbs 22, uh, verses 24 and 25. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. I also want to point out that, you know, during our hard times, our times of adversity, it shows who our real true friends are. The ones who are there for us through thick and thin, good, bad, and ugly. Proverbs 27, 17 is more on the positive side. and says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And James 4, 4. James chapter 4, verse 4. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Many people don't realize this. They think they can walk on that straight and narrow in between to be in the world and not of the world. But they're in it. And they don't realize when they crossed over to one side or the other. It's, it's hard. Because they want to be popular. They want to be accepted by their friends. And they can get taken down because they compromise. And God, Jesus said, you know, I died for you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father but through me. And sometimes we try to make it go around him a little bit. Because we think if we are act good and be good, that 
you know, we're okay. You know, we're not as bad as so-and-so over here who has done worse things. But to God, sin is sin. He doesn't want us to partake, partake of it in any way. So James says that if we're a friend of the world, we cannot be a friend of God. Now, James was not subtle. Uh, he used very strong words there. So we're only fooling ourselves if we think that we can keep hanging out with false teachers and think we will still be okay. But from a positive standpoint, our friends and partners in life and ministry can be our sources of strength and even power. Again, Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. In the Bible, we can look at Barnabas. He was called the son of encouragement because of what he did for Saul, who became Paul. Acts eleven twenty five says, Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. <clears throat> now Barnabas was a God-given friend to, to Paul, Saul, same person. As he was one of the first of the disciples to accept and believe of Paul's now called Paul, I mean Saul now called Paul and his conversion. He spent a whole year with him in Antioch. And he instructed and taught the people and preached. And they had to have had uh, made many uh, stories together. And it would make them steadfast friends because they shared in so much together. A partnership that builds and, 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 and strengthens God and his witness. So this kind of friendship can bring out the best in the individuals involved. The, uh, I've got his back and, and I know he's got my back. That, that shows a trust built over time and through shared circumstances. In Acts chapter 15 through 17, Paul, Barnabas, uh, Judas Barsabbas, and Silas are brought together in Antioch for a time and they preach the word of the Lord. And the Bible says that Judas Barsabbas and Silas were prophets. And after a disagreement between Barnabas and Paul over John Mark, then uh, it was a very sharp disagreement, such that it sent Barnabas off with John, John Mark, and Paul with Silas to different places. But Paul and Silas met up with Timothy, which is another great uh, preacher in the Bible. He was a Greek believer in Lystra. And Paul saw such promise in Timothy that he wanted to take him along on his journey. So together they went to Philippi, and after casting out a spirit of divination from a slave girl, whose owners made a lot of money uh, by fortune-telling, they were placed in prison. And they were beaten and flogged. 
So they were placed in the inner cell, and their feet were fastened to stocks. And this is where the story you come to to uh, to know this story already, I guess. And it says Acts sixteen twenty five says that about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. So suddenly there was a, such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. Well, long story short, the jailer and his household end up being saved and baptized. All this to show that to serve and suffer together through beatings and imprisonments and it can, it can bring about such accomplishments. It has to have made many great stories for them to be told around the, the campfires or the table after an evening meal that these two had a great, great friendship and a partnership. Such situations, stories, and adventures make memories and bonds between good and true friends even stronger and more deep. Now, Paul has such deep feelings for Timothy, a young pastor in Ephesus, that he, he was giving him both affirmation and advice. And we read the, the book of Timothy. He mentioned him as his son in Christ, being Timothy's role model and showing encouragement and, and wisdom. Titus also was another one that was uh, strongly commended and, and, and enhanced by uh, the writing of letters to him. Paul said that he was my true son in our common faith. As we continue learning how to be more effective witnesses in the world, we need to choose friendships and partnerships that help us Fulfill the mission Jesus gave us at the beginning. Christ himself modeled this. And his great love in John fifteen thirteen, when he says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. It's a tough one to follow. But we do our best. That is, a, is, is the ultimate model of what a real friend is. And we look around in our church, our family here. We cannot grow as Christians without the fellowship of our friends and family in Christ. We need them to hold us accountable, to share our highs and our lows, and to counsel and guide us. It is important that we are careful in choosing our friends and our partnerships those that are in our intimate circle. For they bring more to our lives than we realize. And they influence us greatly. Our simple goal is to complete, as best we can, the commission to go make disciples to all the corners of the world. Here's a term that's not too old, but not too new either. Frenemies. 
frenemies. Have you ever had a frenemy? Had somebody betray you? Come into your inner circle and get close to you, and you you, you just you know you share things with them. You go places, go to movies, you, you just do stuff together, and you just think, wow, I was, you know, they're such a wonderful friend. And then something happens. Something happens, and and they're not there for you. So we have to be careful and prayerful about these people. Now, I guess the most famous one in the Bible would be Judas Iscariot. He was a frenemy, a frenemy to Christ for three years. This was not a surprise to Jesus because of who he was. He was a God-man. But he knew he was there for a reason. And he knew his plan. He knew God's plan for him to be sacrificed. So Judas played his part. And he was a frenemy to Jesus. And we ourselves have had frenemies. People who have uh, betrayed us. We've been betrayed by even by ourselves, by our old uh, sins of envy, of lust for power, sex, for attention. The devil knows our weaknesses. But Jesus, I want to reiterate it, Jesus is our best friend forever. Our BFF. He seeks our best as we seek Him and His kingdom. He is faithful. He is loyal. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Jesus is the best BFF ever. Do you know Him? Is He your friend? He died for each of us on the cross to atone for our sins. Well, what are our sins? Lies, stealing, wrongdoing, wrong thinking toward others and toward uh, ourselves even. Hate toward others because of color, their race, their beliefs, their, their places in society whether they're homeless or they're not, to their nationality. What do we do with our sins? Well, we need to confess, repent, and accept God's forgiveness. We need to ask Jesus Christ into our hearts as Lord and Savior because He loves us. He is our advocate, our intercessor. He's our Savior. And yes, he's our best friend forever. So in coming to a close, I want to I want you to to, uh, to know Jesus as your savior and best friend, as your best BFF, as your Lord. So I, w- I want to call you up for prayer. Anybody and everybody up for prayer. To either to accept Christ, to uh, to bring your concerns to Him. He is a God of details. And you know what? All Christians should wish to be prayed for. As the Bible calls for us to share our burdens with our brothers and sisters, praying with 
and for one another. We lift up our cares to God. So we have today. Tomorrow's gone, and we can't live there anymore. And we're not guaranteed tomorrow. So now is the time. Today, for intercession for each other and for growing together in the love of Christ. So I invite you up. And if you've been immersed in this, this church community for a while and are already serving and doing things in our church to help each other and help others, I would invite you to also to make that, that, that change to become a member in our church. So, I want to invite us all up for prayer. The deacons and the elders to come up, if they would please, to be here, to bring anything that's on your heart, your mind, the situations that you're in right now, the things, your hopes, to please, please, please come up for prayer. Just please come up and pray. So I want to pray right now. Say, Lord, I just thank you for our time together. Lord, we ask that you would touch the hearts and minds here. Lord, that as they come forward to, to just seek you and, and seek your, your kingdom, your will in their lives, Lord, that you would just love them, bring them up. Let us pray for them. It's our duty as leadership, Lord, the, the elders and deacons, to be there for them. And Lord, all of us have something going on in our lives that we need we need you for because we can't overcome it without you Lord and we just seek you right now in this place in your presence Lord with your power and might we ask that you would just touch us and help us to leave here with you and with a big smile on our faces because you have touched us let us draw close to you Amen